You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. So what I've found is that reducing hours, I've actually become more effective and even the quality of work to some extent has actually really improved. Planning, choices, ritualising the mundane, making time and space for creativity. It is through applying principles like these that my guest for this week has been able to organise her own life and that of her family in a way that gives them more time and space to be over being busy. She started blogging in 2008, a time when many were questioning the legitimacy of earning money through blogging. And while she still gets asked if blogging is a real job, she prizes the flexibility it has granted her, the time with her family it enables, and the service she is able to provide thousands of families in Australia and around the world. I'm Adam Murray, and thanks for joining me as I talk with Nicole Avery about the subtle disruption of a suburban working parent. Nicole, why don't you tell us where we are today? Okay, well we're in the dining room of my home. Um, I guess the dining room is the hub of our house. And it's also just about two or three metres away from where I work. So it's sort of the engine of the household in lots of ways. And I'm a bit old school in that we still eat at the dining table every single night. Sometimes it might be without one or two members who can't be around. Um, But I'm also like, everyone has to ask to leave the table. Because to me, the meal is just not a meal. It's also about storytelling and sharing our day. Mm. So um, yeah, I I sort of like the dining room as a hub of the house and close to my work and close to my heart. Yeah, and so you work from this house, is that right? I do, Um, I, back in 2008, I'd been out of the paid workforce for nearly, oh no, probably eight, eight and a half years. And we had four children at the time, and there was a debate on whether we would have any more. And so I thought, well, at some point I'm going to need to upskill and find myself something to do in terms of work employment. Mm. Uh, Probably financially, yes, we'd need to, but I was really finding at a stage I wanted to do something. But my husband was doing the MBA, and I was pretty hemlocked in terms of being at home and looking after the kids. I'd been reading some blogs and thought, look, why don't I just give that a go? And the whole idea of starting a blog was actually to learn the skills so it was the whole you know this is going back where you called it web 2.0 and yeah. that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah. um and started on blogger and thought that was pretty good and in terms of what i wanted to share i'd always been the sort of person where i'd have some things and organized and someone say could i have that or could you share that with me so i sort of had an idea of what i wanted to share and it was really just about putting stuff out there and having a bit of a practice Six months into it, I um, I think I just really found something that I really, really like to do. And I thought, well, I'll just keep sticking at it for a bit. And then um, 18 months into it, I thought, if I'm going to spend this much time on something, I need to make it somehow earn me some money. Yeah. So then I started a process of trying to work out how can I make this a financially viable option for me, which um, I did through... A couple of different means. I got an agent for the blog mm. and I started creating some of my own products to make some uh, separate income as well. What did it, getting an agent mean? Uh, I know it's quite an interesting thing. I guess it's like an agent like you'd have whether you're a model or an actor. Yeah. Um, they basically act as an intermediary, intermediary between you and brands. Okay. So at that point, so it was very, very new and there was an agency that was based as a, called Nuffnang, which is a, a very weird name. 
um, it was based in Asia and they'd started off very small in Australia. So basically they would start and what they would do is they would um, help uh, me find a matching brand that would fit in with the content that I was producing, which was all around, I guess, organising what I like to call the chaos of family life. Yeah. Um, and they would bring a brand and they would work together on a campaign. So a brand may be doing a media campaign, and I guess it's the whole old new media thing. Mm -hmm. And so what they'd do is they'd want to have some online presence. So I'd get a campaign brief about what they'd like to achieve with their campaign, and then I would write up my own post with my own take and my own photos. Um, and there would be some campaign messaging that was sort of almost like an advertorial almost thing. If I guess if you can compare it to like a newspaper, be a bit more advertorial. Yep. And then that would go, and so they would um, then I'd get paid and I guess my agent takes a commission for that, for doing the, the, the prep work, for putting it all together. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's now growing to be quite a massive industry. At that point, that was the first agency. Yeah. Now there is multiple agencies that actually have um, bloggers on their books, and not only bloggers, there'll be Instagrammers, Facebook, whatever the social media platform is that they're really big on. Yeah. Um, and lots of bloggers will also just work one-on-one -on -one with brands, which is what I'm doing now. I went to a smaller boutique agency and I also changed the model that I've been working with. Like it's evolved over a number of years and I work more now on longer term campaigns with brands that I feel really, really fit with me and my audience. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so that's something that I've developed over the years and you sort of begin to find your feet a little bit. It was an unknown territory at the start and now I'm a lot more comfortable about work, working out who I need to work with. Yeah. Just take a, a step back, I suppose. We'll, I guess we'll come back to maybe your, your business and how it works a little bit more, but uh, your website is called Planning With Kids. It is. Um, you had four kids at the time when you started, back in 2008. Was there a lot of experimenting that you'd done on yourself in the lead up to actually starting to write about this stuff? Where did, you know, where did this come from? Oh, look, it is. And I, I think what I like to share is, I guess, it's the classic benefits of hindsight. So, you know, my blog really, every post I put up is really aimed to be really helpful and useful or motivational and inspirational to um, parents. And um, there are so many things that you try as a parent, like, and I guess the whole basis for me becoming a planner was, um, I started with menu planning and so for example I could just remember so many nights I'd have like a, a baby in arms and a toddler on foot and it's like 5 p.m. it's like wow it's dinner again dinner that's not a massive surprise why did I not think about that like <laughs> yeah. earlier in the day and so it's about taking things and I guess the the my 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 trigger points what what, what was my pain points what was all the problems that I've found mm. and the solutions that I've worked to and sometimes it takes you a long time to work out what works really well for a family and that's about sharing that like and I'm constantly trying to streamline things because I guess what I what I really try to share is it if you create an organized base for your family then you've got more time for the fun bits of family life because especially mm. when you've got a number of kids you can find that you're just stuck doing the drags like you the cooking the cleaning all that sort of stuff and I came from I guess um, background work-wise I sort of had a, a project management was my last role before I um, resigned from full-time work and it was like you know if you can batch up things and streamline it yeah. it's more effect effective but it took me a good couple of years as a parent to work out I could actually transfer some of the skills that I had in the corporate world into yeah. home and it actually just made things a lot more enjoyable. And I think sometimes there's, 
although we have a lot of support networks in terms of, you know, I think they really are out there to support mums and stuff, there's also um, people sometimes look at things on Instagram and social media and stuff and everything seems a bit perfect, whereas I'm very, very prepared to share, like, bad days. I'm very prepared to share, especially going through teenagers now, like I'm back on Parenting 101 because I have no idea what I'm doing with a teenager and I'm really open about that. Mm. But what I'll do is I'm also really open about learning. So I'll share what podcasts I've listened to, I'll share what audiobooks I've, I've got, I'll share what books that I'm reading because if I can go, people often say they come to me because I go through all the hard work of the research for them and I deliver up some options. I never tell people what they should do because mm. I don't think there is a one size fits all. But what I do is I put up options that I've tried, some things that have worked, and I'll even share some things that haven't worked because someone else has tried it, so I've tried it. Didn't work for me, might work for you, but here's the results of this anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I just thinking about obviously my own family life. I've got two little kids as well and um, a lot of that stuff rings true. Just, you know, getting to the end of the day and thinking, uh, yeah, i got to cook again and the kids are going crazy and put them in front of the TV and, yeah, and get the routine happening. Um, there's, I don't know if it's a quote or it's just a, you know, an approach which is about, you know, you, you ritualise the mundane, ritualise the mundane so that you can... Um, you can be really creative in the rest of your day and in the uncertainty and, and that part of your day as well, which seems to be a little bit about what you're saying there. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that I, I guess I sort of, as the blog's grown and as I've, I've grown, I guess um, the blog's like been very much a journey. And for those readers that have been reading for a long time, they've sort of really come on a journey. And the brilliant mm. thing about that has been is that as I've been able to, I guess, get to a... a a better place I've been able to bring some readers along to that place as well and one of the things that I found is that sometimes as when you're home when you're amongst little kids you can almost lose yourself a little mm. and so I've found ways of not letting that happen and, and you know and sometimes it's real hard it's very hard to just not blend in and just be the, the worker bee um, but I've been able to find times by you know setting some weekly routines and I've encouraged my readers to set their weekly routines and you know I get I'll, and I'll get feedback from them that you know just by taking a simple spreadsheet because I'm a bit of a fan of spreadsheets yeah. and just putting in some time for themselves and blocking out the time and just putting in okay this is when I do the weekly prep for this and this is when I do that they've been able to get some time for themselves for the first time in years and it's made a huge difference to life and it's it's about getting that you know, it's the whole happiness advantage that they talk about. If you get to that happy point, then then you actually get better at the other things and you take that, you know, not everything seems as such a chore and mundane. Mm. You can ritualise it, which means you can, I often call it that autopilot. So you can get up in the day because often when, you, when you've got a blank sheet, where to start can be really difficult, especially if you've only got a short amount of time to get things done. So what I do is if you know what you need to do, your first three steps of the day, then you can actually get on, get through it, and then you find you keep going. But if you walk in, like, you know, you drop the kids off at school or, or you're, you're sitting down at your desk, if you don't know what those three things are, you'll spend 15 to 20 minutes doing pretty much nothing. You can turn around, half an hour's gone, you haven't started. Three things, they can be mundane, they can be boring, but they get, this, they get you started on that track of just action and yeah. often sometimes you just need a, a plan to set you on that course for action. Can you take us through a standard day or, or maybe there isn't a standard yeah, day but what does sure. a standard day look like for you? 
I do sort of have a pretty standard day. My day probably starts earlier than most because I like to try and fit exercise in. And for me, when I work for myself and you've got five kids, there's probably one hour in the morning <laughs> that that happens. And so I tend to get up about five o'clock and I'll head off to, a, sometimes I run first, so I might get up a little bit earlier, run first and do an exercise class. I tend to get home about 7 a.m. And then some of the older kids might be up, but the later teenagers tend to sleep later, so I have to wake the teenager up. Yeah. Um, they're all pretty self-sufficient in the morning, and I guess that's been something I've worked really hard on. And one of the best bits of advice I got as a parent early on was allow kids to do for themselves what they are able to do. Because often we'll do things because we think it's quicker, but it doesn't actually encourage them any independence, mm. and it actually doesn't free you up at any time. So my kids make their own school lunches, the secondary school ones do, and I, I'll do stuff the night before, and actually a couple of them have actually started doing the night before because they've worked out it's worse in the morning. Yeah. But they'll sort of get up and they'll get themselves breakfast if they want to. If it's a, for the younger ones, they'll often like something like, we have a hot breakfast, so I'll cook hot breakfast for the young ones, the older ones will cook it themselves. And then they all start to leave. So by the time it gets to about quarter to eight, this is just down to me and the two younger two who are aged um, almost 10 and seven, and they'll get themselves ready for school. And we sort of have ourselves in a spot now where we're generally by about quarter to eight, once the bigger kids are left, that we've just got quiet time in the house, which is pretty nice. We'll, we'll tend to walk off to school at about 10 past eight. So in that time, um, I've actually got the opportunity now to sit down and play a game of cards. My youngest one's actually quite addicted to 21. Yeah. Uh, he loves to play a bit of blackjack. So we'll sit down and do that. But because of those routines and those processes, and it's that ritualizing of the mundane, the kids have sort of got that too. When they're little, they have a little photo chart that got them through it. But it does mean now that then there is actually still a nice part in the morning and it's not that hectic all screaming and getting out of the car. And that's probably one of the biggest bits of feedback I get from readers is that adopting some of the routines and actually making the kids independent has mm. made their mornings so much happier as a family, yeah. which is always lovely feedback to hear. Yeah, it is. Can you talk a little bit about your readers then? Are they all from Australia or are they around the world? It is around the world. It's about probably about half half is from Australia and then half the other half is international being I guess in order sort of America um, the UK New Zealand and then Asia um, predominantly women I do a, a survey every year of my readers and it's always about 98% female um, and I do sort of write to that I mean I have occasional post most of the posts will apply to any parent but more there is quite a bit of I guess I guess on the self-development side is probably way more targeted and more specific to women and the challenges mm. that women tend to have as being the primary carer in more cases than not. They um, are working, lots of them are working, probably more working than not, which surprised me when I first started, but I think that's probably quite, I guess, um, indicative of the current um, environment where most most parents probably have two of them working now, whether one's part-time or one or both full-time. Mm. Um, and, you know, from varying places across, the, you know, predominantly I, when I first started, um, I really wanted to have a local Melbourne base. And I do have a strong Melbourne base, mm. um, which means that I do do occasional meetups and things, which, yeah. is, which is great. Um, but then also to um, country, you know, Sydney, New South Wales, all over all over the country but yep so I guess out of out of Australia I think about 50% is Victorian and then the rest is sort of all around there yeah okay so the different things that you do you've got the blog you do some meetups you've written a book as well is that right yeah the book was um 
the blog had been going for a couple of years and I guess it's the power of social media. Um, uh, editor found me across Twitter and just said, look, would you like to publish into book? We think it's got, um, uh, it's got great potential and that was going to be under the uh, right books, which is a uh, imprint of Wiley. So I met with her in the September and then I had the manuscript in by December, so it was quite full on. Wow. Is it they, because they wanted to release it for Mother's Day the following year. And so they sort yeah. of worked like that. But I, I work really well to a deadline. And I think, you know, it's Murphy's Law, you'll give a job as long as it takes. So I think it was actually probably a lot better because at the time I still had, um, I had five kids. I had a, a new, the, the fifth, my fifth son had been born. So I think it would have just dominated my life for a lot longer period of time. Um, so I just sort of basically just set myself a spreadsheet of how many words a day I had to write and I just every weekend my husband would take over and be primary carer because he's very supportive of what I do and it's enabled us lots of opportunities as a family and obviously we work together as much as possible so you know he he does all the finances for the business because I don't like those parts yeah. and so he's great at doing that yeah. so um, yeah the book the book was great um, I've also got an app um, which was a joint venture and that was also to a reader who had basically set out into making an app company and then said would you like to partner up with that so that was been great so it's a meal planning app so I do the recipes and marketing and they take care of all the the other side of things and then I do freelance writing and I've also got some e-products that I sell and I do some speaking as well okay. so the the blog has really provided me with a massive platform to do those things I've got a couple of products I'd like to do later this year I also um, uh, raised a possible campaign a couple of what was it but about 18 months ago um, to raise funds to do a hard copy calendar which was all about lunch boxes and lunchbox ideas for parents I guess the aim of the products is all around usefulness and and family life so the and that would have never happened without the blog. You know, you can't raise funds without a community and the community really supported me with that to get that up over the line, which was fantastic. Yeah. And how many how many people do you have in that community now? Well, readers per month, there's over 100,000 readers per wow. month. Yeah. Facebook, I've got about 85,000 um, fans on Facebook, but Facebook's a, a crazy old beast. Um, but my newsletter, I think, which is, I guess, the relationship I love the most with my readers um, is my weekly newsletter that I do, and that has 15,000 subscribers. Um, and that's, so I have the, the blog has, um, I've just reduced my content this year um, from three posts a week down to two posts a week, and then I have my newsletter that goes out. And that's, I sort of really respect the time that people have given me their email address, and I sell only very occasionally on it. Most of the time, it's like a really, um, it's a, a way more personal way of contacting people is that you're right in their inbox and I always get a great response from that. And it, in those um, emails, what I'm trying, I use that relationship that we've got to really make them think about things a little bit tougher, ask some tougher questions. So, you know, I might write things like, you know, I guess a lot of people say they don't have time to exercise and so I don't, uh, tell people off, but I just challenge people to think about, you know, I use a Seth Godin quote, you know, you don't, it's not that you don't have time, you just need to decide. You know, you have to make a decision on what you do. My morning will start at 5am, but that's a choice that I'm mm, making. Mm. I don't watch TV at the end of the day because I have to go to bed to get up at 5am. And they're yep. choices that I'm making. They're not better choices necessarily than anyone else's, but they're my choices. And so I sort of, I'll just challenge my readers to question their own choices. What choices are they making? And is it giving them 
the outcome that they want. And quite often it's not. And so then tips on the blog will be about, okay, how to fit in an exercise routine around kids and small things, or how to, um, if you're not naturally uh, a morning person, tips on being a morning person, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so you started in 2008 and things were, in terms of the blogging world and, and generating revenue from blogging, were pretty new back then. And I guess it was, you were following quite, in, in a way, quite a pioneer, perhaps in Melbourne as well, in, in that area. Have you found people on that journey to help you support you in that way or similar kinds of people and do you hang out with those people like how do you get your you know you're working alone at home do you have a tribe around you that helps you as well i do and there's a lot of great um, bloggers out there Um, but i'm still probably guess closest to a smaller group who started blogging around a similar time and starting to earn money from blogging back when i did was actually quite controversial because a lot of people saw it as being a sellout and that's not the form that it was for and people been doing it for years and it was sort of a bit of because some people were getting opportunities and some people weren't so why do you get them and that sort of stuff so it was very it was tread lightly sort of territory but there's um there's a big blogging community here in melbourne um so i do bounce off that and there's also a couple of blogging conferences one i actually used to help organize up until this year as well that's held up on the gold coast and there they're really, really good. And it's really important, I think, to get to them because you are very isolated. But as we work in all parts of the world, often getting together doesn't happen. So there's Facebook groups have been a really integral part where you share knowledge. Yeah. Um, and we sort of all work through that. And then what I've found is, is that there was a lot of people who helped me along the way. So it's something that I'm really quite passionate about is helping new bloggers who I see come along. And in it's funny, it's sort of, People share other people's things on Facebook, but once upon a time you'd write a blog post and share new blogs that you found and that sort of stuff. So, you know, at least a couple of times a year I'll try and really do big shout out stuff on coming Australian bloggers and especially ones who I know that are local area as well. Because, you know, my readership trust my opinion and yeah. so they'll go check it out. And if I can give help give someone a boost up, then that I really like to do that because that's how other people got to hear about me was because people talked about me so it's about that sort of payback and and yeah supporting other bloggers and so I think the the main thing is just the the Facebook groups and then reading each other's blogs and commenting and if you you know helping out because I get a lot of people will come and ask for questions and stuff because I've also taught a course at um, the the Melbourne and the the convent so lots of people will, will come in after that and yeah it's very sharing community I think yeah, I think one of the one of the first guys to start making money was Darren Rouse as yes. well from Melbourne. Yeah, pro blogger. Yeah, yeah. he actually lives just down the road, think, yeah. and that was I've worked with Darren over the last five years because Darren organised the um, pro blogger conference. So I used yeah. to curate the speakers up until last year. So we would always get a number of keynote international speakers to come across, and then my job was to do that and to also search for local talent as well. And yeah, he's. Probably, I think he sets the best example for that sharing mentality. Now he's huge overseas, and I've been with him overseas, and almost gets mobbed in terms of that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But he will always take the time to, you know, speak to everyone. And even at his own event, you know, he's completely accessible and completely willing to share. And shares a lot, especially his podcasting now as well. Mm. Shares a lot on the lessons he's learned along the way, because as you said, you know, it's it's still really a fledgling industry, so people are you know, are learning all the time. He shares a great deal and I think he helps set the tone, which is really positive. 
Yeah. You alluded to the fact that there's a couple of things on the cards coming up for you. Can you talk a little bit about those? Or? Yeah, yeah. No, I can. There's um, uh, another e-product that I want to do. And then also um, what, what I'm trying to do is that, you know, blogging obviously um, is fantastic, but I'm trying to do something that has more recurring mm. revenue because mm. everything's sort of related to eyeballs and that sort of stuff. And that becomes, you know, and, and I do love to blog, but I want to start to have something, I guess, more of the passive income. So looking um, to work with a, another friend, um, doing something that has a recurring model around um, homework with kids because it's a, a bit of a challenge. So she's got the academic educational side and I've sort of got the... the the WordPress and all the, the blogging marketing side of things done and looking to be able to provide tools, I guess, which is really about providing a connection between home and school. You sort of sometimes get lost in translation about what are they doing, where are they up to, how can I help? And like, if you've not been to school, you know, how do I help them with maths anymore? Or is there a way that I should be teaching them about alphabet? Or is there a way I should be teaching them timetables? And that's like more of a membership um, subscription model. Um, she's just had some things going on in her family life and a partner, so we're hopefully to um, have that out sort of later towards the end of the year and then yeah there's I've been dabbling in um, looking into the online course which is obviously a, a massive growing industry as well yeah um, because it's looking about what ways can I, I help my readers in one way now but how because there's some that are looking for more and they want more one-on-one -on -one coaching which isn't a time effective thing for me so I'm trying to now plot out how can I give them deeper in-depth I guess help without it being so one-on-one -on -one. so I'm just trying to plot through that at the moment yeah ultimately how many hours a week do you want to be spending working on the business like what's your you know that's been really really interesting because I got to the point when I was doing work with a conference and probably a little bit extra freelance writing work I was probably in the peak of the conference I was probably doing 30 to 35 hours and that I found was not optimal for what I wanted but I also and I guess it's the each year in the blog I have a theme and the theme this year is about reducing the busy. Mm. And what I found was I'd actually got myself to a point of being too busy where there actually wasn't enough time for creativity. So I have a goal each year and so my goal this year is to create space for creativity mm. and calm in my life. And so what I found was that I needed to simplify and cut off a lot of things and it's a, it was a huge thing for me to go, you know what, this is a fantastic conference I'm involved in, I love the people I work with. But for me to go and create things like an online course or to create, I needed to cut something to create that space. So I did that this year and I also worked out that sometimes the more you work, the more you work. <laughs> and that I probably got myself into this busy trap and that I was probably not sleeping enough. I was probably not prioritising enough. So 18 months ago I took a whole stock and made the decision to finish up with the conference and I actually started to change the way I worked no more late nights, you know, no more just, you know, working working too much. And I'm probably down to only working about 15, 15 hours. Well, I've just come off school holidays where I've worked hardly anything, yeah. which is the beauty of the work that I do, that I can pair it right back. Um, but 10 to 15 hours, and then my goal really is to keep my income where it is and increasing and to try to work to 10 to 12 hours a week um, in work that I like, which is the, the beauty of what I do, because I've sort of, you know, it's the, 
as I spoke about before, it's sort of Murphy's Law, the longer you have for something, you you know, the longer you will actually allocate to it. And what I found was is that if I was spending, if I know I've got 30 minutes now, like, you know, I, I really give myself some strict boundaries. I've got 30 minutes, I've got to need to finish this. So Wednesday afternoons, the kids have a, kids have a swimming lesson, I take my MacBook with me. That's the 30 minutes that I write my draft for my newsletter that goes out Thursday morning. Yeah, I can well. touch it up when I get home. Yeah. Uh, on Thursday mornings, normally I do it before it goes out at 10 o'clock. But if you give yourself that boundary, and I've got really quite good, social media is massive for bloggers. You have to be on social media. But it's also somewhere where you can just squander the most enormous amount of time. <laughs> so I'd like to think that I'm incredibly disciplined and I can just not go on there. But the reality of life is that I have to go on there for work. So I find that what you need to do with your time is to set yourself up for wins. So on my, both, on both I have a, a, a Mac and a MacBook. On both of them, I've actually put on something called Newsfeed Eradicator. So that's a Google Chrome extension. So when I go onto Facebook so I can promote my own stuff or putting feed up and answering comments, I can't go into my personal feed and I can't dive down that little rabbit warren and do yeah. that sort of stuff. I've taken Facebook off my phone. I also allocate, so I sort of time block my day on what activities I do. So in the morning, when I'm fr I'm very much a morning person, in the morning when I'm fresh, I'll do my writing, and especially my freelance stuff um, and the projects that I'm working on. In the afternoon, I'll allocate time for responding to emails and social media. And I do that because I've got to leave the house at a certain time to pick up the kids from school, yep. and that's the end of my day. Yeah. So I need, if I need to get stuff done, it's that real time pressure of getting it done. And it's not to cause myself additional stress, but it's actually just to not stop that whole ever-expanding, I've got however many hours in a day, and it can keep going and keep going. So what I've found is that reducing hours, I've actually become more effective, and even the quality of the work to some extent yeah. has actually really improved because yeah. I'm getting more sleep, I've got more, I guess, what you know, white space, more calm time, so the creativity has come back with yeah. a lot more of a flourish because I think when you get busy, it really does just stifle your creativity, yeah. but it's hard to sometimes get off that treadmill. Yeah. And so I'm just about to start a series on the blog. I actually asked my readers in my survey last year, if they would describe themselves as being too busy. And over 60% said yes. And when and I, I said, if you felt yes, why were the reasons that you felt you were too busy? And I think the one word, if you did one of those word clouds, the word juggling would just be enormous. And I think that women in particular are just trying to do all of the things. They want to exercise, they want to cook, they want to look after their kids, they want to work, they want to do all these things and it just gets quite overwhelming. And I also find that women in particular are the ones that are volunteering most at the schools and the kindens mm -hmm. and all those sorts of things. Yeah. And I said, sort of, yeah, so I'm going to start on a series on winding that back and you know, it's almost coming from confessions of a busy addict because I've been there and I've done it and I guess I've come across the other side now where I certainly, there's still things I would love to do that I don't, like I don't watch a TV, you know, it's all about that choices, but I've certainly got to a point where I don't feel frantic anymore, and which is a lot better pace than feeling frantic. So, you know, through the years I've taken my readers on journeys with me, mm. I changed my diet from being full of processed food to, you know, completely whole food and non-processed, and you know, lots of readers have come on that way, and I guess this year I'm hoping to take my readers on the journey of, of being less busy. 
yeah. and being able to enjoy family life a lot more, not just feeling like you're ticking the boxes and getting everything done. Yeah. You've, um, you talked, you know, you've obviously done a lot of journeys and experiments on yourself. Yes. Do you, is a lot of that, where are you getting your input from? Is it, do you have a coach or, you know, are you, are you listening a lot to people like Steph Godin or, you know, what are your main input sources or is it purely just experimenting on yourself and then sharing the results? I don't have a coach and it's something I have thought about. I've thought yeah. about whether or not that's probably something I should look at. But I, I read a lot of blogs and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I also, I figure if I'm going to be reading and listening that there really needs to be um, a return on that. And so I will try things because of that. And, it's, yeah. and I challenged my readers recently. I gave them examples of five different things that I've done since listening to some podcasts over the start of this year. And I challenged them, you know, if you're going to consume content, be really conscious about the content that you consume mm. and, and make sure that it's, it's valuable to what you want to do. And then, you know, even if it's just doing one thing, one change. At the moment, I'm in the midst of trying some cold showers because... <laughs> I do this as well. Yeah. I'm just, you yeah. know, I'm just doing it. So I'm in day, what is it, day 12 of April, um, and I've had a five-minute cold shower. And I can't oh, say nice. I love the cold shower, <laughs> but I love the after effect <laughs> of the cold shower. And I, 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 there are certain people that who I do look, like I, I adore Seth Godin, for example. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in terms of... There's, there's small things that help you on your journey, I think, as well. And, you know, I was, I've got a running injury and I guess I, um, I love to, to run long distance and, and I was six weeks out um, from Melbourne Marathon. It's going to be my first marathon and I um, fractured, I got a stress fracture. It cracked, it cracked. In my, and um, I'm a believer that sometimes things happen for a reason and you don't really know what it is then. And so that was a pivot point for me. I took, my recovery was long. A girlfriend said, try CrossFit. So I tried CrossFit, I love that. And then CrossFit often are really into eating well and eating healthy, so then that helped kick off an eating journey. Yeah. Um, and so there's, you know, and, and that would never have happened if I didn't have that injury, because I would have kept just doing my whole running thing. Um, and so for me, when things come up, and I posted something about, I found that I'd, um, uh, I basically hit a brick wall, but the brick wall wasn't there to stop me. I just had to find another way around it. Yeah. And and I try to take that into everything I do, and I try to encourage that mm. in my kids as well. And I've got some kids who are who can more easily see the ways around the brick wall than others. Some just it's like, well, brick wall is just a dead stop, yeah. and that's a real challenge to me. Who's someone who does find and is always looking for a way around the brick wall if there's something there. Um, so you know, it's it's about yeah, and and I, and I do like to think that my kids watch me, and especially the old ones who. You know, they, they're not ever going to admit, and my old one in particular, he, he literally came out and said, I just like to think the opposite of you. <laughs> um, but I know that he's taking in what it is. Like, you know, they don't eat the way I do. They still will have a whole range. I mean, the food that I cook is all healthy and all great. And then, you know, I was away, and they were left with their dad, the two older ones, and I think they ate pies and chips the entire time I was away. <laughs> so my husband's not fully on board with the healthy yeah. eating either. But he, they watch... They watch you and they see you, mm. and role modelling is often a better way than actually just nagging at them and teaching at them. Yeah, well, to think the opposite of something, you have to know what the opposite thing is and the thing that you, yeah, you're being in, in opposition to, right? So <laughs> exactly. they're definitely taking it in and processing it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you have you've you've had a chance to build up an audience over a, a long period of time. Um, eight years now mm -hmm. 
for people that you know might be just thinking about the right on the very start of this journey, you know how what what are some of the things that you you do tell up and coming bloggers, I suppose, or people who yeah. are just about to embark on this? It might not even be blogging, but you know something that they're about to make a change um, to maybe maybe free up a little bit more time in their life or be less busy or to create a, you know, more time to be with their families. Like it's, it's a long journey that people are about to embark upon. It is. I mean, how, what sort of things do you tell those kinds of people? I think that the most important thing is it has to start back with a goal. Like, because you just rudderless without that. And because when it does get hard, if you don't know what it is that you want as the end result, you don't know why you bother even going through it. So each year I do have an overriding goal and I sort of encourage my readers to do the same. And then I check in on that on a monthly basis and then and, and review that. But to have the goal and then, but don't, the goal doesn't have to be grand either. My goals are really, really simple. Like my goal the year before this one was to be patient and present to my kids because I'd gone through that busy phase. And yes, I might be there and I might not be working, but I checked my email five minutes before and I was thinking about all the responses I should have been doing as opposed to listening to my child doing his reading. You know, So it's about making them small, but making something that's really important to you and so that you, you can, and something that you can measure it with. So underneath that goal, even like this year underneath my goal of creating um, space for creative and calm, I've got four habits that I want to create because I found I have the most success in achieving a goal if I create the right habits underneath it. So my, you know, this habits is, is not complaining, which I'm really failing miserably at it. I've set myself a goal of not complaining for 33 days consecutively. And I think the most I've got to is about 11 <laughs> and I have to go back to naught. And so that's really frustrating me, but it's a great conversation with my kids and with other people who are trying but failing. That sometimes it takes a long time. It's probably gonna take me halfway through the year to get the 33 days, but I'm gonna be so happy. And I'm so mindful now of it, and I'm so mindful of how bad that sounds. So putting those strategies underneath, um, to, to give yourself a support structure because habits will stick you through when mo when motivation runs out because mm. motivation does and people say to me oh, you've got such great willpower you don't eat sugar you don't do this but it's actually not willpower at all it's a habit I have a habit of eating how I eat well my options are there I prepare during the week and if I haven't prepared I've got a corset of you know, quick go-to things that I can do um, because that sets me up, it's about setting myself up for success. And it takes time to build that up. And that's on last week's newsletter, I was encouraging people, if you haven't set a goal, just set one goal that you want to do for April and the habit, it's going to help you do that. Mm. And so people wrote back to me and then I wrote back to them and I said, my one bit of advice with this is be kind on yourself if you fail. I am with complaining. It's taken me a long time, but I don't give it an excuse to fall completely off the yeah. radar. I pick myself back up again the next day, and I'm not going to complain again there. But don't, if you're too hard on yourself, then you go, you know what, this is all too hard. This is not going to work. Yeah. And there is a lot of times where you just got to try and try and try and try again. And I forget the name, I think it's James Clear, he might say, and if you can't do it all, um, reduce the scope. So, you know, if you can't exercise, if you set yourself a goal of exercising for 30 minutes, if it's going to fail for that day, just get out for five 
you've at yeah. least done something. It's better than, well, I didn't do it at all. Now I'm going to go eat a cream bun too, just to <laughs> yeah. really write it off. Yeah. So about, yeah, you know, still sticking with your goal if you can, if you have to reduce a little bit for that day. Yeah. And there will be days when it always happens like that. Um, and, but just keep trying for it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I've got a couple of questions that I usually wrap up with. Um, the first one is, what's something that you daydream about disrupting in the future? You know, you're, you're all about planning with kids at the moment. Is yeah. there something else that you think about outside of that domain? Well, there is. It's sort of related to kids and families and I guess uh, disrupting the way women return back into the workforce mm. because I have a lot of conversations with women, not only just online but in real life. There's so many women that would potentially like to go back into the workforce um, but don't and they don't for a number of reasons or they go and they go do something completely different from where they are because the hours are better and it's more family friendly. So I just think that the talent that's missing and the creativity and the passion for things that could be out there is huge. You know, so you know, you, when I went back um, with one of mine, I was offered, you know, oh, you can you know, work one day from home and then the other in the office, but one day from home and I'm still going to have to have childcare. You know, I think there should be, you know, for me, working from home works because I can drop the kids off at school, come home, put something in the slow cooker for dinner, do my work, put a load on a washing and then go pick the kids up from school and I've done a really good day of work. Um, there's women out there that could be doing the very same thing and you know they could be putting in 15 20 hours across the week but it's not in conventional nine to five format so I just think that if there's some way that you know I could yeah I'd love to see that employers don't just think okay I will let you work from home because that's family flexibility or you might only have to work for three days or four days I think the scope in changing that in terms of what companies would get out of women because you know the flexibility to go and see your child do their school play yeah. but then jump online at night and work from 8 till midnight if they wanted to yeah. I mean you're going to get so much more from so many employees and the commitment you'd get and the work you get would be fantastic but it's just somehow changing the mindset that you have to be in the office and you have to work <laughs> set hours to get something done I'd love to change that yeah I'm so with you there as well like it's like our there's a couple of things that seem ingrained in the way current office setups are at the moment, which a lot of it seems to come from a factory kind of mentality, you yeah. know, where you have to be in a particular place at a particular time to do your work, and we don't actually trust you to do it because we want to see you sitting there know, to do crazy, your work. it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. We're all adults, and you get paid, and at the end of the day, your work is going to show. Does it matter whether or not it only took you three hours? Um, when it might take somebody else six hours, if you can get it done in three hours and it's as good, does it matter? Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. And I just think the potential there um, for people to have, and it would stop a whole lot of that juggling, as I said, that my reader's talking to about, because they're juggling because they're away from everything for so long that when they get home, they're not getting home to six o'clock at night, and there's mealtime, homework, all those sorts of things. Yeah, if they've had that time to just do that bit of prep during the day. It decreases that juggling yeah. and they're going to be a happier employee and all the evidence shows that happiness increases productivity. So it's like, yeah, the, all the pieces are there, but just yeah, jamming it into the right shape is the, the struggle, I think, at the minute. Yeah. It'll be I'm fascinated to see what you can come up with there. Like some of the conversations I've had with people in you know, the co-working world yes. seem to be leading a bit of change in this area as well you know so yeah the workplaces are i think it's right for some kind of uh, exciting and creative disruption over the next five to ten I years i agree yeah. i think it's the next big front to change because i think that's when 
that's when, yeah, uh, the, there will be just breakthroughs in a whole range of different things because talent that's that's being unused will get untapped. Yeah. Uh, and finally, for this podcast is called Subtle Disruptors. And so what's something, what's a subtle thing that you've done in your own life? Um, maybe it was before you started blogging or during your blogging um, that's that's helped you along this path and might be useful for other people to start doing as well as they embark upon this kind of journey? Uh, I think is just actually just putting yourself out there. Like it's one of those things and staying small and not being afraid that small doesn't have to mean, I mean, I think everyone just thinks big is good when it comes to disruption or it comes to doing something. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of good in the, the small that I do. So in terms of talking with women about changing their habits and changing the way that they operate and changing how they see themselves, it just starts small. And I can see, you know, as I said to you, I survey my readers and they, they come back to me, the, the, the flow and effect by changing one person is huge. Hmm. So don't be afraid to go about, even if it is changing the people around you. And it's not changing as in terms of being out there and being dominant and telling people what to do. It's changing by role modeling. It's changing by sending them the link to a podcast like this, by, by sending them to uh, you know, an article that's gonna help them make the right change, that's gonna then put on, you know, they're gonna be a better parent to their kids, all of that sort of stuff. And it's about not, not necessarily thinking that you have to stick with the status quo either, because you know, when I started blogging, you know, I still have to explain to people what it is that I do. And you, know, you put it on a passport that you're a blogger and if this is that a real job. You know, even my kids don't even think it's a real job most <laughs> yeah. of the time. And, and that's okay if it's not a real job. You know, it's yeah. not the conventional job and that doesn't mean that what you do isn't valued. So I guess what, you know, to, to sum it up would be to, to take that step because most of us have a step that we want to take but we just won't do it. And we won't do it for a few reasons. We're either scared or we don't think it's not important enough. And it is important. All those things are important. And if everyone just took that one small step that might then help someone else and disrupt um, their yeah. current way of life yeah. uh, and just change that trajectory a little bit. Yeah. Um, my, my life trajectory has changed by a number of people who stepped in at different points and I am just so appreciative to every single one of them. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nicole. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Adam. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own Subtle Disruption. Bye for now.